Welcome to the Inspiring Leadership podcast series. This is aimed for you aspiring leaders, whatever level you're at, whether you're beginning out in your careers as managers and leaders, whether you're in middle ranking roles, or whether you're CEOs and chairman of boards, there's always something we can all learn. And it's particularly the skills, stories, tips and techniques that you can pass on to those you lead and your teams. Hey, I'm Marty the Moak Martinez, CEO of Joint Task Force 214. Welcome to the Inspiring Leadership Series. I'll now hand it over to Jonathan Bowman-Parks. Well, thank you very much indeed, Marty. And it was great that Stephen Kuhn and Lane Ballone, who are taking probably you and me and a few other friends to Peru and uh, the Humble Alpha, they got involved in that amazing bit of work they're doing on the HAVE project, which we can perhaps talk about at some stage. Um, it's lovely to have you on the series. They really speak very highly of you, you and your colleague James, and both of you are going to be separately on this podcast. But um, tell us about your current work at the moment, Marty, and then we'll go back to your early life uh, and your time through the military. But uh, tell us about what you're doing now. There's many things as well as you doing your podcast and the book. So tell us about those. Yeah. So first off, excited to be here ever, ever since uh, Stephen introduced us. Uh, we had an amazing discussion the first time. I think we went well over time. And uh, so we're ex excited to be here. Um, so what we're doing now is we have our show, Lounge with Legends, where we celebrate veteran success. Um, and that started because as, uh, as I was retiring from the military, U.S. Army, I was going through my own, um, I went through my own transformation, uh, transition out of the military, but I realized I had to go through my own transformation from the military to the civilian world. And there were some things I had to work through. And that's kind of why we started the show because we realized by talking to others like us, we could work some stuff out. Um, so that's why we started our, our show, Lounge with Legends. And the business that we started is Joint Task Force 214, where we leverage the power of story, digital marketing and military principles, bring them together um, and by helping veteran entrepreneurs, we help veteran entrepreneurs become successful business owners. I, I really love that. And particularly, the, I'm a great believer like you in the power of storytelling. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it went back to our ancestors as you and I were hunting with spears on the, uh, the Kalahari Desert, which I've actually been to on safari. Um, our, our way of passing on things were through stories. Um, but you also have some great experience that you gain both in the in the military and, and since then in digital marketing, which is great. Now, also, I love the fact that you've chosen Joint Task Force 214. And do you want to yeah. explain why that is the organization you're the CEO? Why have you chosen that? Yeah, so that's a, it's a play on words in a way. It's Joint Task Force because we support Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, and eventually Space Force whenever they get out. Uh, and 214, because in the U.S., when we get discharged or get out of the military, we get a piece of paper, a lovely piece of paper, and it's called a DD-214. So that's why it's Joint Task Force 214. That's great. And I, I have uh, great admiration. Those on the video can see that uh, you've served with the 1st Ranger Battalion, which is special operations for those who don't uh, understand just how significant that is, uh, but also with the 82nd Airborne. So great respect to you for both those. But tell me, before you got to those two organizations, tell me right back to, to Marty as a young man. Who shaped your life? Just, just do us a little 
whistle tops stop two or through your life? Yeah, so um, definitely I come from a military family, so I'm an army brat. Um, my dad was in the Marines. My uncle was in the Marines. Uh, my uncle served in Vietnam. My dad was in the Marines, and then he switched over to, to the army. And so and my, and my grandparents, they, they served in, the, uh, in World War II in the uh, Army Air Corps and in the Army serving under Patton. And so um, basically it's the family business. And I winded up serving, or not winded up, but I chose to serve. My brother, uh, he's currently serving in the U.S. Army and my wife is currently serving in the U.S. Army as well. So it's definitely the family business. There's probably some that are less dangerous that we could have chose, but uh, <laughs> that's that's brilliant. And and so that upbringing, um, I I came from a service background. My father was fleet air arm. My uh, uncle uh, was a, a helicopter pilot in the fleet air arm. My other uncle was in the Royal Air Force. So yeah, I I, I kind of get the it, it's what you do. The fact that it killed two out of three of them was not good. Um, but but these things happen. You've got to be prepared to die for your country. Um, and, and that's not many people in business are prepared to die for their jobs. Um, right. And that's that's what I do think makes people stand out, this commitment. But take me through who influenced you as you were growing up and then how you got into the forces and, and what you did. Yeah, so it was definitely I, I, I knew that I wanted to be in the military, but I didn't really didn't really dwell on it until it was honestly until um, my senior year in high school. And that is when the Gulf War began um, with uh, George Bush and Kuwait. And we started seeing all this. And that's when I started really seeing the call to serve. And that's when I started talking to my dad. And um, and so that's when I that's when I um, really started to think about what I was going to do. And so I enlisted and. Um, I joined the military and, and I went through and I went uh, I, I was going back and forth between uh, Marine Force Recon and Army Rangers because I knew I wanted to be in the military, but I also wanted to do something elite. And uh, and it was also to start proving people wrong because people were, were telling me, oh, you can't do that. I was a skinny kid, about 120 pounds. Uh, you know, you're, you can't be a ranger. You can't be recon. So it was about uh, myself pulling proving people wrong. And so as I, the longer I served, it became less about myself and more about selfless service and more about the team. And that was something where I, uh, we talk about this transition as you come into the military and then a trans a transformation of yourself once you're in the military, because you realize, wow, there's more than, it's more than a paycheck. It's, it's more than a career, it's this profession, it's this brotherhood, it's this family, it's this person on your left and right. And so the reason that you can just um, not have a conversation with somebody for 20 years that you served with and then meet them at a bar 20 years later and just pick up where you left off, it's because of that, those bonds you make. I mean, you know what I'm talking about, Jonathan. You I, know? Do. I do. No, it, it, it really is remarkable. And I'm just thinking as I'm in, really enjoying this conversation with you, Marty, just how easy it is to have a conversation. I had an earlier conversation, different podcast. It was, it was all right, but it, it, this just flows. And I sort of know where you're coming from. And I suppose it, it, 
it establishes a level of trust. And isn't this in business what we're trying to do? We're trying to have mutual trust. Right. And, and when, you've, when you've had to go through a selection, you know what the other's gone through. Right. So there's almost a, a, a given trust, which they then have to lose rather than they have to build something up. It's almost, you've got, you've earned the trust. Now, now keep it, right. um, which I, I found with you. It's, it's very interesting. And, and tell me, so in those early days, uh, Ranger and Recon, so, so you went in as, a, as an enlisted man, got into the, into the Rangers, and then you got commissioned and mm-hmm. went across to the 82nd Airborne. Was that right? Yes, sir. Yeah, so I, I did the, um, I, I enlisted, I served with the uh, 1st Ranger Battalion, then, um, then I opted to, um, to go to college and I did my college time and was um, came back in the military because I just uh, I missed it, even though I'd already done, you know, eight years. I was like, I really I missed this this brotherhood. I wanted to be part of it. So I remained infantry, joined the 82nd Airborne and spent then the next 20 years um, as an officer uh, with uh, 82nd Airborne and did a time in Hawaii with 25th Infantry Division. I uh, served at a U.S. Army Ranger School. Then uh, I was in Italy with the U.S. Army Africa. So I did some time over in Africa and Italy and U.S. Army Europe, helping our uh, you know, allies and uh, with our missions over there and a lot of time over there in, uh, in the Middle East. So I've been blessed with a lot of great tours and a lot of, um, a lot of, uh, time with our with our allies and one of the things that really as I learned as I went through is and I would speak to a lot of people is countries don't build partnerships they don't it is the the brothers and sisters that are standing left and right that are doing the exercises that are doing the operations that's what forms those strong bonds yeah yeah I I, I so agree with you and um, you've taken me back to uh, when I got my uh, MBE from the Queen, it was because of some work I'd done with uh, American forces who'd come, uh, we trained with them uh, in Fort Leavenworth, but then we met them again in Australia with the Australian Army, with the French Canadian Army, and with the New Zealanders. We all trained together to get the Australians ready for East Timor, where there mm. was, if you remember, the massacres going on by the militias. And they went in as UN troops and they'd learned from all the other nations who exercised with them to pass on what we'd learned from the different exercises we'd done in Bosnia and Northern Ireland and places like that. And, and they took that knowledge and the Australians did a fabulous job and the operation was a great success. But you're right, it, it was the bonds that we made uh, on an individual level, not one nation saying we're gonna support the other nation. I, I think you're so right. Um, and. and like some of my other friends who, who were in Special Forces or the SAS, they, they've got quite a lot of physical and mental battle scars from what they've experienced. How have you coped with that, Marty? Because it must have affected you. They're, again, that's why we started Lounge with Legends because the biggest thing, the biggest challenge I had, so as we get out of the military, as we're retiring and stuff, they tell us we have to submit a veteran affairs claim to get your pension your disability paperwork. And I wasn't doing it. And I didn't realize why until I had a discussion with, with my Ranger buddy, James Feltz. 
And it was because, well, I came in the army when I was 18 years old. Now I'm 48 years old. And it was because mentally I had to admit that I was, uh, I was no longer Superman or Peter Pan, right? I'm not the young boy. I had to grow up. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of broken because if you're, if you're filing this claim, you're admitting I'm broke. I've got, you know, I've got migraines. I've got, I don't sleep at night. I've got these things that are wrong with me. So you, it's one of those things you just have to admit. And as silly as that sounds, it's just when you're, when you're tip of the spear and, you know, when you're serving with 82nd, 18th Airborne Corps, first range of battalion, these different types of units where um, when the president makes a call, and says, "Hey, we need somebody now, and within 18 hours, you're there." It's one. It's it's just different. Um, so that was my biggest uh, thing that I had to deal with. And then, yes, of course, yes, my knees hurt from 17 years of jumping out of airplanes and all those other normal things that we that we deal with. Yeah. But honestly, that was the big thing. The biggest thing for me was the the mental part and switching my brain housing group that. I am, um, I am no longer the, the, the 18 year old who came in. Yeah. I've got 10 years of deployments on me. I've got to admit that I've changed. Yeah. It, it is such an interesting point. And you and I were talking and I won't go into the details, but having an operation on Monday, you realize just how vulnerable you are as you get older. I'm almost 60 now. And, you know, I keep myself as fit as I probably was, uh, in the army when I was doing airborne selection, but I'm, bits of your body don't start to work anymore and you go come on come on keep up with the group and of course one bit of the team the body that decides to call it on the others and the others can't get on with things because you know bits are starting uh to dysfunction and uh you you pull something or you injure something or you have an operation and uh yeah it it is a bit of a shock because you sort of imagine you'll be forever peter pan forever young and uh still have that attitude which is healthy in some ways but actually it's um difficult to come to terms with um and and thinking about your your time in uh your service what what was one of your proudest moments and uh what was one of your darkest moments and and what did you learn from both of those so my darkest moments were honestly as a commander Anytime I had to put a soldier out of the military for misbehavior or any of that, I felt like I failed them as a leader. And that's because it felt like I done something wrong. And that was always my first question of where did I fail you as a leader? Because leaders, it's always, it's usually, it's easy to say you're a dirtbag, you're out. And for me, I wanted to say, or I did say, where did I fail you? And I tried so hard. And that was one of the, 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 the command climate I tried to build. And now, and is, you know, Hey, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm dad. I want to help you out. You know, we would even, we would even play ball, you know, throw the, throw the baseball when we were deployed every Friday, I would grill uh, no matter how hot it was in Iraq, I would be grilling for the entire company. Um, and, and throw uh, baseballs to the guys. But if I had to discharge people, it, it really hurt because I cared for all 200 of my, my soldiers. 
And so if I had to put them out, that's where I, that was dark. I was, that really hurt uh, more than it probably should have, but that, that's the ones, those are the ones that really hurt. Yeah. Uh, and and I, I, I think, it, I think, but just staying with that, Marty, I think it is when, when someone doesn't feel anything, when they have to discharge somebody or fire someone from their business as a CEO, yeah. there's something a bit dark about that person that they, they, it's almost like uh, one or two of the guys, and you probably see this um, in some of the, the, the most uh, grim operations they go into, I don't know, the caves of Tor- the Toroboro or something like that, um, where they, they, they shoot someone or grenade someone, step over the body, shoot somebody else, step over the body, and don't feel anything. Now, right. that actually obviously helps them that they don't actually, if they're put through a series of pictures of these images of grim and, and, and grisly pictures nothing affects them but actually when they then get back to civilian life they they can't relate to people and difficult situations so so i i think if you can't if you don't get affected by this that worries me just as much as you do and i do like the point you said about you felt that you let your soldiers down and that hopefully they'd they'd be there for you in return and behave well and General Jonathan Shaw, who was the director of special forces for the British Army, was on the podcast as well, uh, a few before you. And he was saying to me separately uh, that uh, when he took over from the previous commanding officer, they'd had quite a strict regime and they weren't allowed out. and They couldn't really party. And he decided to let them let their hair down and party and uh, fancy dress and all sorts. And a lot of them went downtown in Aldershot, where normally they smashed the place up. But on this occasion, they didn't. And, and it, the RSM said, it's because the guys respect you, sir. They, they, they weren't going to do that to you because it would destroy your career. And, and right. sometimes the guys do stuff which is damaging for them, but it's also damaging for the people they lead, isn't it? Right. Yeah. It's, and I said, it, it, it is because we, my leadership style and even my, my current leadership style is I, I try to build a family. Yeah. Um, because that builds, that's what builds a stronger team. Yeah. Um, both in, in the military and in business. Is there every, that's what, what um, uh, General McChrystal talks about in his team of teams, you know, you have that shared consciousness. Everyone feels part of the problem um, and they understand what it is. And you can't build that by having everybody in these disparate groups. So by putting everyone together, uh, that's the best way to build your teams. You know, having everyone focused on the mission and you, everyone feels a part of it. And that's what we did. Uh, when I was leading these small teams in, in Africa and Europe was, I don't care what your rank was, if you were a private, if you were a colonel, if something happened, I would say, what do you think? What do you think? What do you think? It wasn't because I was being indecisive. It's because we're all humans. We all have a brain. We all see it. We all are victims or biased by our experience. Everybody has something to contribute. Yeah, I, I really like that. And indeed, in business, there's a, a thing called the thinking environment by Nancy Klein, who wrote a book, um, uh, The Promise, that I uh, changed everything. I won't interrupt you. And The Promise is a really good book. I, I recommend people listen to it. Um, Nancy's been quite a mentor to me. Uh, she's an American lady in her 70s now. But it, it's very much what we would do with our troops when I was in Northern Ireland, for example, if I'd go on a four-man patrol and one was a private and I was the major and then there was a sergeant and then there was another private that afterwards we'd debrief and everybody would have an equal say, everyone would have their turn and, and they could speak frankly to you. And I think that's really important in business. And often people 
don't find their voices or people don't ask them because they think they're too junior. But that's a big mistake, isn't it, Marty? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah now, you you were in the military and you uh, finished as a lieutenant colonel. Was that right? Yes, sir. Which is a, a great achievement. And congratulations. On that. And you've also written a book. What was your book called? So we're writing a book. Oh, you're writing a book. What's, what's yeah. it going to be called? Uh, so it's going to be called uh, You Lead the Way. You lead the way. I like it. You lead the way. And because we're in the military, lead is an acronym. Uh, so yeah. uh, laser focused mindset, employ uh, military superpowers into business success skills, achieve speed through deliberate, decisive action, dominate your market. Brilliant. I love it. L-E-A-D. That's great. No, and 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 also you, you've been working closely with uh, Stephen Kuhn and Lane Below. Mm-hmm. Uh, and tell me about HAVE that you've set up with them. Yeah, so the Humble Alpha Veteran Empowerment, uh, they, Stephen and, and uh, Lane are doing just, they're just doing brilliant work. And they support veteran entrepreneurs. And we, and that's what we do at JTF 214. And with even with Lounge at Legends, we've partnered with um, Veterans Grow America. They're with, they, they have another organization, Veterans Grow America and, and, uh, Rosie Network, and then you've got Stephen Eugene Kuhn with the Have Mission. So they've got these different entities. The Have specifically, they're running uh, in Houston, Texas, in November. Uh, basically, it is um, it's a power session where people are able to come in, get a bunch of great uh, coaching. They're going to run like a speed coaching session where. There will be coaches set up. Uh, James and I will be one of them. We're going to talk about branding and marketing and uh, basically uh, story, storytelling, story, uh, narratives, uh, story selling. And you'll get to walk by each table 20 minutes and just pick, pick these experts' brains in addition to these other sessions that they're going to have. And it's going to be, it's three days. The first day is dedicated to uh, female empowerment. And then the next two days is open to everybody else. That's fantastic. No, it's, it's I really admire uh, what uh, what you guys are doing with that. So congratulations on that. Let's carry on with, there's so much we can talk about. I, I'll divert off on all sorts of different, different routes and talk about that. Um, proudest moment. You talked about a dark moment. What was one of your proudest moments in your, in your life? Yeah, uh, man, uh, I'm kind of torn. I think I'm torn between my proudest moment being work I did in Iraq and the work I did right before I retired um, for my functional area. But I think, and, and, and the reason I'm torn is because it, they're both about transformation. And so I think if that's a theme is, is the power of transformation. And it's kind of like, I guess that's my whole thing is transformation. That's what my podcast is about. The, what I did in Iraq, we were, we, we were deployed November of 07 to April of 09. So it's kind of a short one, right? <laughs> Kidding. <laughs> a long but, one. Wow. But so we got there. If you remember that time in Iraq, we were in we were just north of Baghdad and Taji. Uh, and our area was right where the Sunni Shia divide is. And it was really nasty. And that was my battle space as a company commander. And it was it was, it was heavy fighting. And what we were doing is we, we had to now implement this uh, counterinsurgency strategy of General Petraeus and 
uh, General Oriano, who just passed away this week. Um, and I had to learn about uh, political military affairs, how to run city and local governments, how to basic economics, how to run animal lots, feed lots, and all this other stuff. And then not only learn it myself, but then teach the Iraqis how to do it. And, but that's what we did. And after the end of this 18 or 15, 18 months, we actually had Sunnis voting for Shias and Shias voting for Sunnis. We had, we grew a, um, um, a, a radio network that had a, a female empowerment uh, channel. They voted for a female to be on the council. I mean, it was, it was amazing. And it was about the power of just having people there. And then, you know, similarly, my last job in the military, we did an entire pivot of the modeling and simulation program for the entire U.S. Army. And it wow. was about how do we how do we do how do we rebrand ourselves, change our narrative, change what we do. And uh, because we're not just here, we do all the other three things. So we looked at knowledge, skills, uh, attributes. How do we market ourselves? What's our elevator pitch? What is all this stuff? You know, so that's where I really fell in love with Donald Miller uh, story branding. And that's kind of what did this where I'm at now. I started that like 10 years ago in the Pentagon because I worked in the Army G8 doing this. And so, again, it's a, it's a transformation of who we are now. So those are my two proudest moments. And then the fact that I was able to not only sell that, uh, but teach this to the, all the army officers that were coming through. Yeah, and as yeah. you and you were talking about you know, us being broken. One of the pieces of advice that I was able to pass on to the officers was because I had them for eight weeks in the basic course as they came through. I would I, I would also teach and instruct, and I would tell them, "Hey, while you're here for these eight weeks here in, in Washington D.C., I want you to rest." And of course, they'd be like, "Woohoo!" I'm like, no, 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 not that rest. I want you to rest, and it's an acronym. Why? Because we're in the army, and everything's an acronym. So I want you to read, exercise, sleep, and think. Because if you're doing that, not just here, but in life, that's going to help you grow mentally, spiritually, and physically. And that's what's going to help you uh, fight the decrepitude that's going to creep up on you and, you know, not keep you fit. Yeah, uh, so I, I so agree with what you said. The, the read, exercise, sleep, and think. Um, I talk about eat, move, sleep, breathe, focus, prosper as a, uh, a bit of tips from one of the course I did with Brian Johnson on, on uh, looking mm. after yourself. And I, I'm dyslexic. So my, my thing is to read widely, probably 200 books on neuroscience, sleep, uh, diet, um, leadership in the last three years. Uh, I, I'm just so hungry to learn and then pass on the knowledge to others. Um, but you clearly love to do the same. And they, they nicknamed you the brain because not only were you in strategy, but you just love thinking about things. And one of my great joys with both U.S. forces, um, German forces, forces all around the world, but British forces as well, and European forces was that there were some very, very bright uh, generals and leaders and colonels like yourself that I, I've had the joy to meet since. who have done very well in business and, and they're very lucky to get the wisdom and experience from you. 
Thinking of all you've learned now, you're about to be 49 and congratulations for your birthday next Wednesday when we're going to have a, a chat together on your Lounge of Legends. Yes, sir. But um, going back and meeting the young 16-year-old Marty, what advice would you give? You know, one thing, don't do this. It really doesn't help you. And do focus on that. If you were to give yourself a, two tips, what would they be? Yeah, it's um, be kind to yourself. Be be kind to the words that you put in your head, that you say to yourself. Don't be the first to tell yourself no, because there's a lot of people in life that will tell you no. Don't be the first to stand in your way. Yeah. Uh, it's, this, it's the same thing I tell my daughter and that I'll tell my son when he's old enough. And I, I tell her, you know, hey, be kind. Don't, don't, don't tell yourself you're dumb just because you can't get that math problem. There's going to be a lot of people that are going to tell you that. Um, you, you're smart. And so we practice this thing you know, every day before ballet because she's shy. And it's, you know, I am strong. I am beautiful. I am the best ballet dancer ever. And then we go in, she does her deep breath, and then we go in. And so that's kind of being kind to yourself, being, being brave, being ready. Um, and then the, other, the thing now as a dad um, is be the adult today that I want my children to be tomorrow. Yeah. And, and it is lovely that you give those tips to your uh, daughter and when your son's old enough. Um, my daughters are now um, 27 and 28. Um, but I do remember when, you know, Harriet, the eldest was, was seven and she would say to me, daddy, I, I can't do this. And I would say, okay, that's what they call an untrue limiting assumption. You're living as if it's true. And if you could do it, Harriet, how would you do it? Which is a positive alternative assumption. And she'd go, I'd do it this way, daddy. So instantly she knew how to do it. Yeah. But, and, and it, so I always say, and if you could, how would you? And, and, and it's true for us. We often say, I can't do that. And you go, okay. And if you could do it, how would you do it? And instantly the brain looks for the solution like a mouse hunting yeah. for cheese in a maze. It, it is it is remarkable. A little it's, tip. It's amazing what you can what you can do, and that's what I, I again I start with my daughter every day. Every day I pick her up from school, and right as soon as I pick her up, as soon as she gets in, how's your day? Good. What's one thing you didn't like? Just get out of the way because I'm trying to teach her get mad, get over it. So what's one thing you didn't like? And then what are two things that you loved loved about today? And then you finish on that, so she starts to hunt the good stuff, and it builds that mental resiliency, so she finds the positive in the day so as, as we're leaving school she's leaving she's in private school at a church so as we're leaving church and school it's finishing with that memory so every time we drive up to church and school on sundays whatever she's it's positive yeah that's a really great one the other one i've uh, found very useful is wwwebi what worked well today and what would make it even better if you could oh, do it. ebi what would make it even better because then you're not only really talking about it being a problem but what would make it even better if you could solve it? So you're Absolutely. not just thinking, I've got a problem, but what would make it even better if you could do it? EBI. So WWEBI is a good tip someone gave me years ago and served people well. Let's go around the Inspiring Leadership Compass, Marty. There's uh, sort of um, quick fire kind of questions and what comes to mind. Uh, we'll begin with the, the moral compass, the top of the compass, MQ. Well, what are the top three values that you still live by now, but that served you well in the military? Um, words, not uh, deeds, not words. Mm. So do what, do what you say, mean what you do. 
it's it, it, I mean, it goes back, you know, talk is cheap. And yeah. if, if I say I'm going to do something, then I'm going to do it. And I'm going to do it to the best of my ability. Um, yeah. And that's, yeah. I mean, that's, that's the best. That's for me, that's the, that's the one thing I can, I can say, you know, it's, yeah, it's, it is hard to, it's hard to do it sometimes. It's difficult. Yeah. But it's, uh, that's what makes us better. I mean, that's what makes us, um, yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Beautifully put, beautifully put. Couldn't put it better. The next one round is PQ, uh, meaning and purpose, purpose question. The, the, the uh, what, what gives your life meaning and purpose? Why do you do what you do? What's your dharma? What's your calling? What's your vocation? What would you say gives your life meaning and purpose at the moment, Marty? Yeah, so, so our purpose right now is for our show, for our company, for our day, is to help one veteran a day. Um, and that's why Lounge with Legends, JTF 214, that's why we get up. That's why I'm doing my deeds, not words, is to help one veteran a day. Rather than just doing push-ups to prevent veteran suicide, I actually want to help. That's why we are just trying to keep veterans from, uh, you know, decrease the veteran suicide rate. We want to uh, help veterans not only transition, but transform back to the civilian sector and become uh, contributing, uh, successful contributing members of society again, because that's hard. As, you've, as we've mentioned, you know, you have a lot of baggage you come back with. How do you deal with that? What's an outlet? And I may not be able to help them personally, but I may be able to connect them with an organization, with somebody that can. And if I can do that, if I can, James and I set our number, if we can help one, then we, then that's how we declare success. For that yeah. I, I, I so love that. Have you heard the story of the starfish? Do you remember the story of the starfish on the beach? Uh, which one is that? Is that so you, you might remember you, you, you're like in, in, in the tropics and, and there's these starfish washed up on the beach and they're drying out and dying in the sun. And you see a little old lady and she's coming along and she's stooping down and doing something. And as you get closer, you see her stoop down and pick up a starfish and throw it back into the ocean. And you go, what are you doing? You know, like there's thousands of these starfish. They're all dying. It's just, it's pointless. She said, but I made a difference to that one. Uh, and, and, and that's the starfish analogy that you are making a difference to each of the veterans. And just to give our listeners on this podcast, and it goes out to well over 55 countries, 185,000 people. What is the kind of um, statistics about the number of people uh, from the forces who, who take their lives in the U.S. Army or the U.S. forces? Yeah. So right now, the suicide rate, I don't know if it's been updated, but right now it's 22 uh, veterans a day kill themselves um, every day. And nice. so that's why they do 22 push-ups a day. That's why there's a lot of people that um, ask for $22 a day in donations. Um, so James and I, instead of doing 22 push-ups a day, we, we bring on people onto our show and we just try to help with our, with our podcast. And then um, with our, with our, business we focus on veteran entrepreneurs and try to help them out deep deep respect for, for what you and james do and uh, so crucial and it, it always saddened me when i 
I thought back to um, uh, um, during my service with the Scots Guards who fought on Mount Tumbledown, a lot of the soldiers who fought there had quite a lot of mental health problems afterwards because they saw some pretty grim things and they were shot, scared, frightened, uh, lost limbs or, or, or saw friends killed or blown up in minefields and things in the dark, in the snow, in, in very difficult conditions. And um, some of them had come from, you know, tough backgrounds. One had been a meth drinker in Glasgow, and then he was the one who was the biggest hero on the mountainside. Uh, another one who'd, you know, had mental health problems, but come back from that. But then when they finished their time in the forces, the support and the brotherhood and the network that they're used to is suddenly pulled from them. And, and having been used to an environment where they're among colleagues who support each other, you're on your own. And is that something similar that happens in, in the US military too? Yeah, there's a lot of people that get out and lose touch and they feel they're on their own or um, they're afraid to reach out. A lot of pride. Mm -hmm. um, I can't talk about this because I don't want them to think that I'm, I'm weak. Um, there's a lot of the machismo, you know, and it's, you know, people say that it's, it's okay not to be okay. Uh, and I think it's, um, it's, you need, you need to talk to somebody. It really helps. And that's kind of, again, what, while I can't reach out and talk to everybody, we like to bring uh, a myriad of different people. Like, you know, we're going to have General McChrystal on, but I'm not going to bring 20 different General McChrystals onto our show because that wouldn't resonate necessarily with everybody. It's cool. I'm glad he's coming on. I'm excited. But I, I also bring on, yesterday we had on a, a corporal who started his business and he does recycling for veterans. And then I had a lieutenant colonel before that who does networking event who's also a CEO. So that way it's, it's you can connect with everybody. Yeah. And people can reach and go, I, I can connect with that person. Yeah, yeah. And this is where your storytelling is so powerful that you do, Marty, where you want people to go, yes, me too. I, I, I can relate to that. That I, I feel someone understands me and it's yeah. okay to talk about it. And, and the, the real importance of only the strong can be vulnerable. When I, when I ask a seer, when was the last time you personally were dead wrong? The good ones go, do you know what, Jonathan? I make mistakes every day. <laughs> I'm prepared to learn from them and admit them. And then I, I ask them, you know, how quickly did you realize you made a mistake? And the good ones realize it quite quickly. And then how quickly did they admit it? The ones that really worry me is, and I had this with one the other day, I said, what was the last time you personally were dead wrong? And he went, could have been 1981, or maybe it was 1978, but it was not really me, it was somebody else, actually. So I don't, I don't really make mistakes. And I go, that's a problem. That is a genuine problem. Houston, we have a problem. Um, so on to health quotient next, um, Marty. Um, in health quotient, how do you how do you look after yourself physically and mentally? Now you're approaching fifty, but not quite there yet. A year ago, um, what do you look up? What do you do to look after your mental and your physical health? Now you're in business and not in the military. Yeah, so actually, since I've retired, I think I've gotten in better uh, physical and mental conditioning because I've really applied my rest principle to myself. I've started to uh, do more physical training in the morning, and I uh, and I'm really 
watching what I eat. I definitely need to sleep more, but that's just part of the scars of war. I don't sleep, unfortunately, but, I, but I'm reading even more, um, which expands my mind. But um, the biggest thing that I, I think that I brought and that I challenge everybody to do is just drink more water. Yeah. Uh, drink more water, put down the sugary substances yeah. and move. Yeah. Uh, if, you, if you can't lift weights and you can't do something, uh, physical like like that just just walk yeah um, get outside just move your body you know it, it, it's great advice and and particularly um uh why we sleep um is a very good book by matthew walker if you haven't read it i commend it to you um i uh have a sleep app that i do but when you say you don't sleep so well i mean how many hours sleep do you get a night marty uh maybe about three or four. Wow. That's tough. Yeah. It's, it's just, uh, it's just, you know, try the sleep apnea machines and try the, try the different drugs. It's, 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 uh, it's the kind of the monkey mind thing. It just doesn't stop. Yeah. Um, it's, it's just one of those things. And it, you know, it started, uh, with, uh, with the deployments. Yeah. You know, when you're sleeping, cause one of my deployments was, um, there was uh what 20, 20 of us on an Iraqi base of uh, of of Iraqis and uh, so you know they're they're our allies but at the same time you just never know because what's going to happen <laughs> so yeah, you're yeah. sleeping with a loaded pistol under your bed pillow um, yeah so yeah that's that's really tough and and uh, there's a book i was listening to uh, just today actually as i was walking my dog this morning as part of my morning routine that the habit stacking that they talk about james clear in his book atomic habits which is a good read yes. but the, uh, the the book i was reading was brainwash by uh, uh, dr permutter and uh, he talked about various things to help flush out from all the stuff that we've got in our brain and they're always on and the digital uh, sunsets and and sleep and the food we have, it's it's good read actually. It's it's well worth a look, Marty. You might find some things in there that that uh, help you um, and, and help others of your listeners when you're teaching them. Um, on to the next one, EQ. Um, I, I find it very easy to build rapport with you, Marty. It's um, from the very first moment we our problem is going to be speaking too much, not too little, but. What, what is a tip you found about building connections with people and, and understanding others' emotions and reading them? What, what, what advice would you give? Um, stop hearing what people are saying and start listening. Mm. I mean, that's when we, I just actually wrote an article about this is the, uh, you know, uh, the lost art, of, the lost ancient art of listening. You know, it's okay to put down the device and actually be, engaged with somebody again like we're doing we're not on our phones we're asking clarifying questions you're being engaged you're looking at people in the eye which is you know i should be looking at the camera for the viewers but i'm looking at you uh but it's it's a it's about that being genuinely um engaged you know and and one of the things that you know taking from chris voss is in, in a good way is again mirroring and labeling because it actually does build that rapport. Not that I'm trying to negotiate anything with you, but it really does because it allows us to be generally interested in one another. 
Yeah, that's and Chris Fast. The name rings a bell. Remind me never what? Split, never split the difference. Never split. The, it's a book, is it? It's a book. He was the uh, lead FBI uh, negotiation uh, hostage negotiation guy. It's it's an amazing book, and especially I recommend it when I'm teaching my classes on how to do uh, business interview techniques. Yeah, uh, I I love that. I'm going to look it up. I, I've got another one uh, right here. I'm looking here, what everybody is saying, uh, by Joe uh, Navarro, uh, who was an FBI agent. Never split the difference. Yep. Okay. I'm going to get that. It's definitely going to be on my list of. He's got a a master class. If people have a subscription to master class, he's on there as well. Excellent. I know he's, uh, I love him. He's got, he owns the Black Swan company as well. Amazing. <laughs> I love that guy. No, well, I'm, I hope he does an audio book because I'm going to be listening to that one. Yeah, if he does. Um, going, great, great one. Stop hearing what people say, start listening. Um, yeah. and, and I always have a bad reaction when someone says, I hear what you say, because you know, you know, they don't right. agree at all with anything you've said. I hear what you say. I hear what you say. But, you know, everything, as my old Sergeant Major said, sir, when you said the guys have done really well today, Sergeant Major, but blah, 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 blah. So everything, just to be blunt with you, sir, everything before the but is bollocks. And, and just so, so tell them they've done a good job. And this would make it even better if they did it. EBI, sir, EBI. Yeah. Um, CQ is cultural intelligence quotient and, and sort of collective intelligence, the group intelligence, but diversity, quality, inclusion. You, you've been all over the world with, uh, you know, there you were 20 of you in a camp with uh, full of people of a different culture, of a different religion, different background. What's been your big learning about valuing difference and seeing the others' perceptions, understanding and walking in their shoes? Sure. Um, yeah. I used, I, used to teach, <laughs> I used to teach courses on this. Uh, and the number one, my, the number one thing in my bag was the Hofstede model, the cultural yep. GPS. Um, before I would go in, even if I already knew what it was, I would review it, especially. So when I was doing, I was a negotiation guy in Iraq during that long deployment, I would have to do, I would have to do the negotiations. And so mm-hmm. I would, I having to understand how to do, um, how to conduct negotiations in a hostile uh, post-conflict Arab environment uh, is, is difficult, especially after you've accidentally killed a child or something like that, you know, and now you're going in because I didn't kill a child, someone else did, but I'm coming in to clean up the mess. How do you do that now that they want that unit out of a village? Well, I have to understand power, distance, masculinity, how do you do all of this stuff? Uh, and that's just in this environment. And then uh, even in uh, my other deployment, my last deployment was with um, was in support of Iraq and Syria with Operation Inherent Resolve. We had 67 partner nations and allies. Um, the cultural GPS is, is out the roof because we have our five I partners. We have our, our Arab partners, we have African partners, we have Asian Pacific partners, everyone's there. We all have, have one focus on a mission. However, how we interact in a conference room and how we speak to one another, I'm constantly up and down how I 
say different things in words because words mean something and words matter. And if, you know, the American way is I will come right up to you and say, okay, we need to talk about this right now. Whereas with another culture, we're going to have three cups of chai before we get to that point. You know, so that's, it's, it's about having that, um, that, that emotional intelligence of how you're going to do that with, coupled with your cultural intelligence. Wow. I mean, that, that is really tough. I, I, you're almost set up to fail in that kind of mixed environment. Somebody's going to take offense from something or misread or misunderstand it, not even the translation. And then it's the body language and the, you know, the, the triangle of the face and, and, and how you went. Oh, well, especially know, I, like, like my, my, my challenge was so for, you know, over a decade, I built, uh, created very large scale exercises that would uh, build, put all of our NATO partners together uh, it, where we would exercise in uh, Europe and Africa. And so everyone wants to play, but then sometimes not everybody has an equal standing or leg or whatever. So how do I tell somebody, somebody being I'm representing a country, you know, Jonathan, no, the UK cannot do this. Hmm. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm going to have to go back and tell the mod this or so, you know, how do you do that? You know, and that's, that's where it was tough, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it was, but it was exciting at the same yeah. time because we would do that. And then at the same time, um, it wasn't left in an office because we would still have to go have dinner. Yeah. <laughs> Great respect for you for doing that. So let's do some quick fire questions. Um, resilience, top tip on resilience against adversity for people who are listening. What would be your top tip? Uh, resilience is uh, get mad, get over it. Yeah. I like it. And then brand. Uh, your brand reputation, your image, your impact, what we call BQ. Yeah. What what do you recommend people do about getting feedback about how others perceive them and their brand? Um, how do we see their brand is basically, um, I guess the best feedback is um, <laughs> you can, I mean, from a, from a social media perspective would, would be to, Ask people, um, set up a poll. What do you think of, what do you think of when you hear X, when you hear whatever that is? And, and, and let them know what, what are those questions or, or, or do if set up a call. Hey, you know, if we can set up a call and we're willing to give you this, uh, you know, that's, a, that's an old school direct sales call kind of technique, but that's going to be honest feedback. Um, a lot of times I find with brands, the, the, the difficult thing about brands is brands are about themselves mm. and branding is about yourself. Whereas try making branding about, not about you, but making it about the client. That's a challenge. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a really good one. Now, legacy. Um, just uh, what should people think about when they think about the legacy they're going to leave in their job, leaving it better than they found it, you know, their stewardship, leaving, looking after something? Right. Um, I think the, the legacy that you should try to strive for is that person, all, that person provided five times greater value 
than they were paid. That value-driven professional provided five times, you know, than they were than they were paid, or five times your worth in in currency, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And then onto a topic which is dear to your heart: teams. Uh, I'm talking about executive teams in business, um, but of course you've had a lifetime of uh, 20 years as uh, as an officer after your your earlier eight years. Um, what are your top tips for creating high performing business teams and, and how do you turn it around when it was a toxic business team to into a high performing team if there's if there's one major bit of advice you'd give so the the toxic team is get rid of the people if you can that are the naysayers get rid of the energy vampires and the biggest way to get rid of the energy vampires even if you can't rid of get rid of them is call the energy vampires out. Mm-hmm. And so what I so the way I, I couldn't get rid of my energy vampires as I, I was doing a project while we were deployed, I couldn't get rid of the energy vampire. So what I would do is while we were doing our scrum is at the end of each standup is I would award the energy vampire of the day award goes to, and quickly the, the naysaying and the complaining went down and we had a more cohesive team. That's um, good. The, uh, the building the high-performing team is making people feel that they are part of the team and it's not draconian. It is they have a say. Like we were talking previously, how does that private feel that they're part of the team? How does the janitor, how does whomever it is or that executive team, how do they feel part of that team? So if you're building a mission statement, a corporate mission statement, do they feel that they understand it and that they've contributed to it? Um, you know, does that vision, that mission statement that then goes to your smart goals and OKRs, do they feel that they understand it so that they can now go back to their departments and implement that? That they can say, this is what we came up with, not this is what they came up with. Yeah, no, that's, that's very good. Love it. And I, I love the Energy Vampire of the Day Award. I think <laughs> I'm going to recommend that to one of my leaders because a few of them have this problem. They just don't quite know what to do with this person who has a lot of energy, works very hard, but actually it just grates with the leader and their energy is drawn away by this one man or woman just all the time and it just gets to them. And um, what's that old saying? If you can't change the people, change the people. Um, But if you can't change the people, give them an award and make them clear about the the impact. It's funny because that's what happened is I was like, okay, you're being, you're, you know, you're being an energy vampire. And so it was as simple as just me having a, uh, it was a sticky note with things. And I said, the energy vampire goes to, and I gave it to him. He's like, oh, come on. And he would get upset. He's like, all right, okay, I get it. I get it. And so he stopped and he started actually contributing. So our, our scrums actually became better. Really good. Love it. So um, the penultimate question before we go into the top tip, um, you talked about Donald Miller Business Made Simple, which is a great book. I'm definitely going to get that. I'm going to draw you because you read so much for another book. I know you've mentioned Never Split the Difference by Chris Bass as well. But mm-hmm. what would be a third book that you've enjoyed on leadership recently? Uh, I'm trying to think right now. I'm reading so many. <laughs> I thought I thought you uh, might be. Yeah, so here's one. So for startups, uh, Quench Your Own Thirst. Okay. By who? By, by Jim Cook. He start, he's the founder of Sam Adams uh, Beer. 
And so um, now a bit of warning, if you're reading this, I, I made the mistake of reading this on a, on a long flight and I really wanted a beer. Uh, but uh, what I love about this is he talks about, he started, he started Sam Adams Brewery in the 90s and nobody was starting a microbrew going against Budweiser and the big ones. He started Sam Adams and he goes through his journey and it's absolutely amazing. He talks about little things like, you know, hey, I was going to go buy a computer. And his dad goes, for what? Well, to track my sales. The sales you don't have? True. I'll keep it on a, and I'll keep it on a pen and paper for now. And he goes through all these different lessons as a solopreneur and as he's growing his business and how he does guerrilla style marketing and his leadership and how he's growing all of this stuff. So this is, I, I love this book. That's great. No, thank you. Uh, three, three great recommendations there. So, Marty, we're um, sadly at the, at the end, but let's end on a high with your, if you just introduce yourself again and give us the two minute top leadership tip that you think is relevant for everybody listening. Sure. Hey, I'm Marty, the Moak Martinez CEO of Joint Task Force 214. Here's my two minute tip. It is don't be afraid to fail. If you, because because uh, failing is uh, your first attempt in learning. It's okay to fail. Because when you stop failing, that's when you're going to stop trying. And then that's when you become a failure. When you want to get knocked down over and over because you're going to learn. Thomas Edison said he found a thousand ways that didn't work and one way that did. And so that's my, that's my top tip. Hey, Marty, it's been great. And you're just full of a lot of wisdom, a lot of experience there. A great respect for you and what you've achieved during your service, but also what you're doing for the veterans with helping one veteran every day. And I'm sure you're helping way more than that. You've certainly helped me as an ex-veteran just by listening to you. So a real privilege having you on the Inspiring Leadership Series. Thank you very much. Thank you, sir. It's been an honor and thanks for having me on the show. We look forward to having you on the show, Lounge of Legends, next week. I look forward to it on Lounge of Legends. Thanks very much, Marty. So now you've heard from one of the inspiring leaders that I've interviewed, what are you going to do next? If you want to get some more free material, go to my website, jonathanperks.com, or follow me on LinkedIn, Jonathan Bowman Perks. And there you can get access to my books, uh, Inspiring Leadership and Top Tips for Inspiring Leaders. But if you want to actually do something about being a leader and constantly improving your game, raising your performance, Get in touch with me about coaching you or one of your team that you want to raise the game for them. It's got to be people who want to be good to great, not people who you're trying to fire. And if you're looking for a motivational speaker, get in touch. Or if you want me to work with your team coach, I would be delighted to help you.